You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. We have gotten to a mailbag. How cool is that? We get to do a mailbag now. Enough people listen, enough people watch on TikTok. We can quit right now. And you know what? I think that we're at the top of the mountain. I feel like I'm at the top of the mountain right now, Jack. We were on live today. You know, I'm giving out my gambling picks like I do every single morning. And then we go live. And Jack, say what you want. And I know you're on my side, but the haters can say what they want. Yeah. 58% win rate. We just hit on the Indians today. We have the White Sox going against the Orioles later. We are 99 and 73. That's a 58% win rate. But at the end of the day, we all understand that it isn't gambling advice. So do you, um, are you a college basketball guy? Yeah, I'm a college basketball guy. So do you ever listen to Titus and Tate? So I got into the Titus and Tate realm once they were on Pardon My Take, one of my favorite podcasts. And they always went over the March Madness stuff. And those are some of my favorite episodes that they've ever had. I haven't gone over and listened to their exact podcast yet, but I'm big fans of Mark Titus and Tate. Tate, I don't know. Tate Frazier. Come on, man. Tate's going to be pissed if he listens to this. Highly unlikely, (laughs) but I I do want to make a pitch for a collab at some point if we we keep climbing the, the ranks of the podcast realm. But um. Yeah, I would consider myself a friend of the program. So, you know, one of the disciples. What do you call a pardon my take listener? Uh, Jim Rome calls his listeners clones, which is funny as hell. I think they just call them award-winning listeners. Oh, okay. Because I, I guess they're winning <laughs> awards. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so their big shtick is uh, a message to the haters. And like Tate that. actually asked Bill Self, I think it was in Maui. Uh, Tate asked Bill Self if he had a message to the haters. <laughs> and, <Self laughs> and that's was my like, message. <laughs> yeah, Self was like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I have haters per se, but it was funny as hell. So yeah, there's your message to the haters. Suck it, haters. Can we hype up ourselves for a second? You and I were just going over some rankings this morning, something we are very excited about 19 episodes in, and this will be our 20th episode. That's why we're excited to do a mailbag. We are 31st on the MLB podcast rankings ahead of crazy shows. And that's a big deal for us. You know, we'll see if we stay there. I'm hoping we're going to go higher, but it's an amazing accomplishment so far and something we've been working so hard at on TikTok, on Instagram. It's just awesome. 
It's just awesome, Jack. I can't believe it. Yeah, and whoever's listening, I just want to thank you guys for listening. This Unbelievable. Is, this is freaking awesome, man. So it thank you, and it, keep listening because we're going to try and continue to be entertaining and uh, convince try you that- best. Yeah, and convince you that Omar Narvaez is a top 10 catcher in baseball. So People did not like Yasmani Grandal at nine. They really did hitting not. hitting like 140. I'm a White I Sox know. fan, and he's hitting 140. And we have these kids in our comments saying that batting average does not matter. Yes, it and does. It does matter. Shut up. Shut up. Oh, all right. So we've got a pretty interesting show uh, on hand. We're going to start with some early season trades that are very minor to this point. But, you know, this is a trend that I personally wouldn't mind seeing grow a little bit larger than it is right now. Uh, we'll talk some injuries to some key guys and we'll get into our mailbag. I know you kind of teased me for one of the questions. Uh, it has to do with the MLB draft. And that's something that you and yes, I are both really excited to talk about as much as we love the highest level. I'm in minor league baseball. You and I keep our eyes on college baseball and collegiate summer league baseball all the time. So the draft is like our bread and butter, which is awesome. But to start, let's get into some of these trades. And specifically, um, we can talk Willie Adamas going from Tampa Bay to Milwaukee. We can talk Billy McKinney going from Milwaukee to the New York Mets. Um, how about Cameron Maybin getting traded for a dollar <laughs> to go That's to the Mets? Insane. <laughs> Insane. He got traded for a singular dollar. And Mets fans, we're, we're talking to Mets fans on the street, basically saying that they overpaid for Cameron Maven for <laughs> one singular dollar. I disagree. Cameron Maven has been a very good uh, regular in the MLB for a very long time. And I think it's very disrespectful to say that he was overpaid for a dollar. You know, the, the whole idea was cash considerations. Here's the thing. Maybin, it was going to take the stars aligning and the stars that nobody wants to align, injury woes, to align for Cameron Maybin to get a consistent job in the Cubs outfield, right? Yeah. And they had him in Iowa. The Cubs were willing to give him away just because, like, he deserves to be playing Major League Baseball. They didn't have the room for him, yeah. and the Mets needed him. So they said, listen, it's not like we're going to really need you. We've got other guys. Let's send you, let's give you the chance to play major league baseball again. And honestly, like a dollar is a kick to the nuts, but I, I appreciated the sentiment. And they basically kind of did that same exact trade. They need to get more outfield depth, especially with the Mets now with so many injuries, which we will talk about um, and, and a couple more questions. So Billy McKinney, like we said, was traded from the Brewers to the Mets in exchange for a 17-year-old lefty. I guess 17-year-olds are getting traded now. Yeah. And it's an obvious move to bolster that outfield depth for a team struggling because they're just so unhealthy right now. I think I heard that they have 12 guys on the IL right now. Yeah. It's north I of mean, 10. Carlos Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard. I mean, we're going to talk about all of them, so I don't want to get into it quite yet, but the Mets... And, and everyone's worried about the Mets right now. We have a question that we're going to answer about Lindor later. I mean, it, what are you supposed to do when your entire team's on the shelf? But the biggest trade, the biggest trade you mentioned earlier, the Rays traded Willie Adamas to the Brewers for player deal. Trevor Richards is going with him in exchange for Drew Rasmussen and J.P. Fireisen. The 25-year-old Adamas I guess he was sought after, but he's a career 254 hitter, 103 OPS plus, doesn't hit for much power in 336 games. He has 43 home runs. And then in this season, he's currently hitting below 200. 
He's not walking much, and he's striking out over a third of the time. His strikeout rate is 33.6%. And J.P. Farhaisen is the reliever in that deal that everyone's really looking at. He's a former Yankee farmhand who was picked up by the Rays, then traded to the Brewers. Right now, he has a 3.09 ERA. He looks really good. High spin rate guy. But his FIP is about a run higher. He walks a lot of guys. Most likely going to regress. But what we know from what the Rays can do is that once the Rays get these guys in their organization, he'll probably turn into a Nick Anderson or something right. like that. Drew Rasmussen right. as well. Fire Eisen was awesome to begin with to open the year. And Rasmussen yeah, really is... Yeah, and Rasmussen has just crazy stuff. I mean, he's got a fastball in the high 90s. He's got great breaking balls. But, um, yeah, I've got a pitch for the Tampa Bay Rays. If you guys are listening out there, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tampa Bay Ray, I think you should make Tyler Glasnow and maybe Ryan Yarborough your only two starters (laughs) and then just load up only bullpen. So, like, openers three days a week, and then you've got Glasnow and Yarborough as your two starters. I think that works. I think it would work, and I think as the league follows the Rays and are just trying to copy whatever they do, if they ended up doing that, you would see that trickle down to the rest of the league. Right. I mean, and people would say that's good baseball. (laughs) That's good baseball, and it's just, you know, it's just going to become – Every single inning we're taking out pitchers and it's going to be a six hour game. I low key still watch though. I would, <laughs> like, <laughs> I would not, I would still watch that game. I would, I love baseball. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. I do too. That's why we're talking about it. One more trade that sort of needs to be mentioned because the angels finally addressed a need that they, that they need. Yeah. Hunter Strickland was traded to the angels from the Rays for a player to be named later. And he's been decent this year. He's, he should be a good pickup for the angels. He's currently sitting at a 2.61 ERA. The only problem is his advanced numbers are poopy. poopy. 5.07 FIP, I think. So he, but before he left the race, he had a one six nine ERA. So he obviously had a couple blow up games for the angels so far this year. Good job, Los Angeles angels. And so we'll see what happens with Hunter Strickland, but you know, he's proved that he can throw hard and, Angels need a bullpen guy, so that's he, technically a trade. And he can kind of piss off Bryce Harper, or does Bryce Harper do the pissing off of Hunter Strickland? I don't know who's in each other's head. If I had to guess, I would assume Bryce Harper is in his head. Yeah. Because it's Hunter Strickland versus Bryce Harper? Yeah, I don't know. My, my final thought on that, again, very minor trades to this point. My thought on this is, like, why aren't more teams moving quicker? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, You've got teams that thought they were going to contend that are sub 500 right now. And the reality is like, we're less than a week away from June. Yeah. I mean, next Tuesday is June. It's crazy. We're, we're farther than 30% through the season, I think. Right. So I guess like there's no precedent there for it. Okay, fine. And, uh, you know, go ahead and try and thread this needle. Right. And yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to me because if you're slamming the panic button now and now is a totally realistic time and a totally rational time to slam the panic button if you're slamming it go get a piece because now is the time to revamp right 100 if you fail your mission in late july you don't have another opportunity you're just wasting a season so i'm a fan of the early season trades the brewers knew that they had um an embarrassment of riches in their bullpen. So they decided to shed two that aren't hater that aren't Devin Williams. And they still have one of the best rotations in baseball, if not the best. And they decided to go get a competent shortstop because Urias and before that Arcia 
were not the answers. Adonis might be. He might not be, but he might be. He's okay. I I don't. Is is Willie Adams the answer though from Milwaukee? I Probably feel like he's not. just another version of Arias and and Arcia, a slick fielding shortstop who's really struggling to hit. Yeah. Probably. So that let's break into our our mailbag. We're very excited our TikTok mailbag which you can find on our Q&A button on our bio on TikTok at just baseball fans. <clears throat> First question. Talking about trade targets. What pieces do the Cubs need to make a run? It was asked by HMG17. So, Jack, where on the Cubs do you see? I mean, do you even think they'll buy? Where on the Cubs do you see an, an improvement? Or maybe are they going to sell? I, I guess now they're buying. Like, right? They've been hot the last they're, week or two. They're like destroying the Pirates, which is nice, but I don't know where that goes for them. All right. That's why it's so hard to judge the Cubs. Before we answer this question, let's, um, I guess, mention this Javi Baez fuckery. <laughs> I, the, I mean, this, this was horrible. Like, I'm not, you know, Twitter was blowing up with, he is El Mago. Like, amazing <laughs> play by Javi Baez. I'm like, bullshit, man. You should literally swap the entire roster of the Pirates and the Indianapolis Indians right now. Send everybody down to AAA. Call everybody <laughs> from AAA up. That is the dumbest shit ever. And you cannot blame this on the manager. You have to blame this on like every single person's little league coach. There were yeah. two outs. Touch the damn base, dude. I, I watched that and I was just like, we should not be crediting Javi Baez for anything right now. See, I get what you're saying. Totally horrible play by them. Horrible. I mean, terrible. There were two outs. Yes, it's the Pittsburgh God. Pirates. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. I get it. But yeah, they're major league Jack, baseball players, Jack, dude. That play by Baez, just the smart being up here, understanding where the base runners are. Is that smart back. Yes, or is that play. dicking it around? It looked like a little league play. But it was it was un I've never seen anything like it from Javi Baez. So don't blame Javi. Do not blame Javi and be like, oh, he was getting crazy. Don't do that. Blame how bad the pirates are, which I know you're doing. Yes. But I'm not blaming Javi Baez at all. Okay, good, good, because it was unbelievable. But I just don't think it was that heads up of a play. I think he was just kind of dicking around, and then it worked out in that way. And he was like, oh, wait, they're they're not going to go tag the base? Like, I guess I can just play keep away. But the thing is, if it was any other player, I'd agree with you, not Javi Baez. I feel like he understands that level of baseball. It's kind of like Tatis, like these guys who are so freak athletes who understand the game and are able to kind of maneuver with their speed and their athleticism in order to do those kinds of things. God, I don't know, man. Uh, just well, let's, getting... let's answer the question. Yeah, let's get back let's, to the question. Let's get back to the Where question. Do, do you think the Cubs buy? And if they do, so I have some, let me list some trade targets for you because we also have another question that we can ask, you know, in, in parallel. Yeah. What should the Indians target to help with their offensive struggles asked by Jared Groves on TikTok? These are the trade targets that I'm looking at for okay. all teams, but we can answer Cubs and Indians first. Herman Marquez of the Colorado Rockies. He is the definition of I suck at Coors Field. I'm really good everywhere else. Yeah. He'd be a perfect addition to any starting rotation. Trevor Story is going to be so expensive, even as a rental. Elite shortstop for the Colorado Rockies. A couple of relievers. Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers. Could they decide to deal Hader no. maybe at the peak value? Probably not. It would no. be extremely expensive, but you know, you never know. Then I think a very another interesting reliever trade target 
that the Indians could use, that the Cubs could use, is Richard Rodriguez of the Pirates. Yeah. And then you break into some more starting pitchers. Is Max Scherzer of the Nationals, you know, he's approaching some of the final years of his contract. Is he going to be available? Guys like Matt Boyd of the Detroit Tigers. Pretty good lefty. He went up against Shane Bieber today. He didn't pitch great, but he's always kind of been an underrated player. And then we have, what other, what other players do we have, at least on the offensive side, Chris Bryant and Jock yeah. Peterson, will they be dealt or are the Cubs going to build around them? Also, Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers, I assume should get traded along with some Orioles players in Anthony Santander and Trey Mancini. Could we see Kyle Seeger be dealt from the Mariners? I don't know. Out of those players, if you're the Cubs or the Indians, who do you want? You just threw me like every name in Major League Baseball. I threw you every name. Yeah, I'm tired now. I think I need a nap. <laughs> um, okay, now without mentioning most of those players, here's what I'm going to do. Fantastic. I think, <laughs> I think the Cubs, I'm going to say if if they buy, if they sell for the Cubs and the Indians, right? Depending on how the, the next month or so goes. Okay. For the Cubs, if they're buying, I would have said last week that they buy bullpen pieces, but... I mean, the bullpen's standing on its head right now. I still think they buy bullpen pieces, but I think you have to focus in on a starter, right? Yeah. Kyle Hendricks is in your playoff rotation. I, we're not that high on Zach Davies, but I guess he's in your playoff rotation if you make it there. Um, I Adbert think Herm- Alzelay. Alzelay is fantastic. Kind of Al- good. He's not kind of. Adbert Alzelay is fantastic. Uh, so he's a guy in, in your postseason rotation. I would love to see Herman Marquez. I don't know if the Cubs have the pieces to go get a starter like Marquez. For the Indians, they need to buy offense, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe Story is the one you go to. And the Indians have a very deep system, and they've got a lot of really young guys that they can use as pieces. And as good as the pitching is, you know, I don't know if you need Ethan Hankins anymore. Maybe you give up Tristan McKenzie and and maximize his value. I'm not sure what happens there. So if you go get story and give up a couple of bona fide arms, you know what? Go ahead. Go do it. Um, Now, the thing is, if the Cubs are selling, they're selling bats, right? Because that's what's available. I think Craig Kimbrell might actually get the most pieces for him because it's a lot like the Chapman deal where you can go get a number one, two or three prospect in a system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kimbrell is really enticing Chris Bryant immediately after that. And then, you know, I said it on the catcher pod, Wilson Contreras, I think is more valuable than Javi Baez right now. So I'd say the three that you could sell are Kimbrell, Bryant and Contreras. But my prediction. In- yeah. My prediction. I think the Indians sell. Um, if so I'm the Indians, sell? I'm not, I'm not buying with that team that they have currently constructed. Their offense is putrid outside of Jose Ramirez. If I'm them, I sell Jose Ramirez for as much as I can get and really just kind of rebuild. Keep Shane Bieber, I guess, but imagine the haul for Shane Bieber. I don't I don't Um, think anybody won't do it. it. But I'm just saying imagine. Yeah, I I just don't think anybody has that. I know I mean I don't know if there's a I mean if can you imagine if the the Rays unloaded their system? Or the yeah, Padres. Who would they, they unload? Yeah. You I know, mean, be, what if what if the uh what if the Rays do you think No. You're gonna say <laughs> Wander Franco's name and, and the answer is no. You could read my you could read my mind. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's over. No, Never mind. <laughs> it's over. There, there's no hall big enough for Shane Bieber right now. Um, so that's that. Let's get into the next one. For the podcast, this was asked by Ryan Jacobson08 on TikTok. Who will be the top three picks in the MLB draft in July? It's going to be right next to the All-Star game. And I would like to start, Jack, and then I would like you to tell me where I'm wrong because yep. you're the you're the prospect guy. I've been doing some research, and th- these are my picks right now. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. Okay. The number one pick to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm hearing it's Henry Davis, the no, catcher not. for Louisville. He's hitting 370 with 14 home runs and looks to be the safest bet as a hitter to be a big-time MLB contributor by many accounts. Remember, he's a catcher. And not only is he hitting like this at Louisville, but he has an absolute rocket of an arm and an excellent pitch framer. He's also walking more than he's striking out. And I think for the Pirates to shore up that catcher position, that's why I'm hearing goes. I don't think Henry Davis is the best prospect in baseball, personally, but I'm hearing that Henry Davis is now the scuttlebutt to go number one. Number two, Jordan Lawler, a shortstop out of Jesuit College Prep in Dallas. I have him going to his hometown team in the Texas Rangers with the number two overall pick. Remember, hometown kid. Team president John Daniels has apparently seen him more than any other prospect in the class outside of the college ranks. He has demolished baseballs at Jesuit high school, Jesuit college prep. And he runs a six, four, five, 60. That's potential crazy for five, fast. crazy fast, dude. Potential for five tool. If five tool player, if that hit tool plays, but I think by all accounts, scouts are saying he's the best all around high school talent kind of bar none. And number three. So I've heard a lot of scuttle about, about Marcelo Meyer, who's a shortstop in the high school ranks, but I cannot imagine that the Detroit Tigers with the number third overall pick do not pick Jack Leiter, the pitcher out of Vanderbilt. The Tigers need a guaranteed star. Like I said, even though Marcelo is is linked to them the most, but if they really know what's good for them, um, they'll take Leiter. I mean, he has 127 Ks in 76 innings and with a 2.12 ERA. And as the season progresses, as I assume they're, they're going to get into the playoffs, he'll get even better. So what do you think? What do you think about that? Henry Davis, one. Jordan Lawler, two. Jack Leiter, three, with the possibility of Marcelo Mayer making it in that top three. So Marcelo Mayer is a really interesting option for me. Uh, I think if you're the Pirates, like, why are you not going with Jack Leiter? But you're right. Hey, everybody talking is saying that Leiter is not going to go number one anymore. Um, I think that Leiter falls to two. I think you're, uh, who'd you say was it number two? It was Lawler? Gordon Lawler. I, I just see him going to Texas. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's already there. John Daniels, their team president, has seen him a ton. Yeah. So I, I think if you're the Pirates, you're either going with Mayer or Lawler. I think you're going to go with one of these high school shortstops at 1-1. I think if you're the Rangers, okay, yeah, you want the local kid, you want the shortstop. But the reality is, like, you've got some players there. You don't have any pitching. And yeah. Jack Leiter can get there in two years. So. Yeah. 
you know, lighter kind of makes a lot of sense here. Number three to Detroit, I think it's the other shortstop that doesn't go. So either Mayer or Lawler, maybe Henry Davis. You know, you say the Tigers really need Jack Leiter. I say, I don't think so. Like they've really? got five or six arms in that, uh, in that system that are going to make up the rotation. You know, like they're thin everywhere else. They've got a pretty solid, you know, array of bats, but it can always get better. You know what I mean? And their best bats are a center fielder in Riley Green, a corner infielder in Spencer Torkelson, and a couple other guys, corner outfielder, Daniel Cabrera. How about catcher Dylan Dingler, right? Like this is who the Tigers have. Add a middle infielder. Why not? Right. And there are a couple of really good ones. And you know that one of them is going to be on the board. My thing is, I look at Tarek Skubal. I don't see much. No. I'm hopeful for Matt Manning. We'll see. I'm hopeful for Matt Manning. Casey Mize looks pretty good. I just, the Tigers, I think back to the Verlander, the Scherzer, the Rick Porcello days, building your team around pitching. Do not leave out Anibal Sanchez. I will never leave out Anibal Sanchez. My apologies, Anibal Sanchez. My thing is the Tigers have always built their team around pitching, or at least they've tried to. Um, They went torque last year with the 1-1. This year, do they grab a pitcher? And I think the best pitcher available is Jack Leiter. Of course. Kumar is another guy who's dominating as well. But I think he'll slide a little bit because I don't know if he has that third pitch. I think the fastball plays in the major leagues today. I think a slider plays in the major leagues today. But does he become a the best closer in baseball. Does he follow a similar Alex Reyes? Alex Reyes. Does he follow a similar track like that? I, I'd be interested to see. I think that's why Kumar is falling. I know that you watch him and you're like, holy shit, this guy's insane. Yeah. But just watching him in college, projecting him in the, into the major leagues is a much different story. Yeah. We got time for two more. Give them to us. Let's do it. So injury news. Should the Yankees be concerned about Kluber and Voigt being out eight weeks? Yes. Yes, they should, Jack. Kluber left after the third inning in in last Tuesday's game with shoulder troubles, which I was really concerned about when I saw. He was shut down four weeks, and he said, I'm hearing that he'll need four weeks to turn it back up. Remember, this is a guy who already had shoulder surgery with Texas. I'd be, if I'm the Yankees, this sounds horrible to say, but I wouldn't expect him back for a very long time. I think you're going to need much longer than four weeks to get that shoulder healthy again, especially to the point where he was pitching. I mean, the guy threw a no hitter against the team where he had shoulder surgery against, but moving on from Kluber. Yeah. Luke Voigt grade two oblique strain. I mean, that's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. I mean, right now he was hitting like one buck 75, Uh, for the Yankees, not really providing much, but it was obvious that he was playing with this oblique strain. And the problem is when you do your research on when he's coming back, you know, we want to give you guys a projection, but Aaron Boone won't even give him a timeline, which is the worst thing to hear. I'd rather him just come out and say 10 weeks. And Aaron Hicks is now out for the entire season with that wrist injury. The Yankees, again, are dealing with injuries, but the Yankees are still rolling. Are you concerned with these guys? I'm lost for words right now. It's, it's sad to be a Yankee fan today. Uh, I am 
most concerned about Voight. Yeah. Um, you know, Kluber, uh, I'm concerned personally, like on an individual basis with, with Kluber, because I just feel so bad for this guy. Me like, too. Oh God. But if, if I'm Brian Cashman, if I'm Aaron Boone and I'm filling out a lineup card every day, the one where I'm like, God damn, this hurts is Luke Voigt because you know, where's your first base option? Where's your DH option? You know, it's nice that Higashioka is doing a really solid job. So that opens Gary to being the DH or Stanton to being the DH. Right. But you know, you want that everyday first baseman and Voigt is that. And I think a lot of people forget that Luke Voigt led the league in home runs in 2020. 22 home runs in less than 60 games. And the problem, the big problem with the Yankees is that when Luke Voigt is out, they move DJ LeMahieu over to first base a lot. Yeah. And DJ's fine over there, but out of all of the positions in the infield, it's probably his worst defensively. And it's not even his fault. He just hasn't played it that much. Yeah. So you lose the DJ LeMahieu defense at second by moving him to first. So it's more of a big blow than just having Luke Voigt out. And you say move Gary to DH. He can't hit, dude. He can't hit he can't no matter do anything. what. He's Gary sitting like one, like, he can't hit. So I don't want him. I mean, maybe if he's a DH fully and I guess he just moves Stanton there and play someone in the outfield, but Gary's not the answer at DH. Yeah. A couple other injuries that I want to shout out, you know, not, not shout, shout out a good way. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, shout couple out. Of, couple of injuries that I want to point a focus to Noah Syndergaard getting shut down again. I mean, yes, that sir. kills the Mets. Oh God. Does that kill the Mets? Um, Bryce Harper went on the 10 day, with a forearm bruise. And I was listening to the White Sox game yesterday. Play, they were playing the Cardinals. And Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox, said, uh, yeah, Harper on the 10-day IL with a forearm bruise. And I had already had suspicion. And then Darren Jackson, who's the radio analyst, he chimes in and says, the IL with a forearm bruise? You don't go on the IL for a forearm bruise. Yeah. So I, you know, I've got no idea what's going on there. It might be a bruise and I don't want to doubt the Phillies, you know, PR department and, and those types of people, but I, I don't know if he's on the 10 day IL with a forearm bruise, uh, Harper might be in some trouble. Um, I'm worried about Syndergaard. I am too. I'm really Shut down worried. six weeks, right elbow inflammation. Luis Rojas announced that today. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any structural damage in the elbow. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, but we've got to remember, this is a guy who's had his ulnar collateral ligament torn from Tommy John surgery. So it's a re it's bad news for the Mets. And I think that breaks into our next question. Uno unless, you, unless you got to shout out any more injuries. I don't shout think out. so. We keep saying shout out. <laughs> I don't think so. Next question. How do you guys feel about Lindor's transition into New York? And his struggles at the plate. This was asked by Anthony underscore. I have no idea how to pronounce this name. P-O-D-O-J-I-L-2-3. So, Anthony, Lindor is currently hitting 185. But he has upped his walk rate to the highest it's ever been. It's at 12%. And he's playing exceptional defense. 98th percentile and outs above average. My thing, I've been saying this on the live. We've been saying this on the TikTok. We've been saying this on the podcast. Francisco Lindor is going to be fine. Give him a second. This is a guy who moved from Cleveland to New York. Very different markets. He moved from the AL Central to the NL East. Very different pitchers. 
he has to adjust. These guys who get $300 million contracts move to a new place. It's going to take them a little while. He's probably under a ton of stress. The entire team is hurt. So he's being relied on to hit their way to a postseason berth. Will it happen? I think if that whole team gets healthy and goes on a run, I think that Lindor is going to have a big July, a big June, post-second half, all-star break. I, I, th- I think he'll be fine. And I think you'll see Lindor at the end of the season hit 260, 270 with you know, 25 to 30 home runs and playing exceptional defense. And that's what you're going to get from Lindor. Yeah, he's going to he's going to get back to what his career average has been. I agree. Like it, it's not going to be a good year for Francisco Lindor, but it's not going to be a career worst year. Like this guy's going to figure it out and he's going to go on a tear and he's going to be the 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 second coming of the Messiah in New York. When and he Mets does fans are going to be floored. They're going to they're going to they're going to hate every single negative word they've said about Francisco Lindor. This, right. And Francisco Lindor does so much more than just play on the field. He's one of the easily best leaders in the entire game. And that's been said by pretty much everybody in baseball is that Francisco Lindor goes into a clubhouse immediately. That smile, that silver hair, he just commands, he commands his teammates and he knows, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I'm very confident in Lindor. He does know what he's doing. And he's one of the most well-rounded players on planet earth. And I I think that even if the batting average is nowhere near what, you know, it could be for him, even at the end of the year, he's going to even it out with every other intangible you can possibly think of. So hundred percent agree. One more quick one. Or you want to call it one more quick one. We got to answer this one because it's a good one. And it's a white Sox one. All right. Who is your AL rookie of the year pick? Adolis Garcia (laughs) or Yerman Mercedes asked by Harrison underscore green 20. So you're, mean, you're, mean, you're mean, you're mean, you're mean, you're mean, you're mean. Let me go over the stats because you might think otherwise. German Mercedes, right now, as we're recording on Thursday, he's hitting 344, on base percentage of 384, slugging 506, six home runs, a 150 WRC plus. He's striking out 17% of the time with a 7% walk rate. Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers. Hitting 288, so less about 60 points less than Mercedes. On base percentage of 324, another 60 points less. Adolis Garcia slugging 619, about 115 points higher in slugging. And that brings him to 16 bombs, a 158 WRC plus, but striking out almost 30% of the time at 28.8% and only a 4.7% walk rate. When you see those numbers, are you taking the high contact guy or are you taking the guy that basically hits a home run every single game he plays? I'm taking the guy that came out of nowhere and became one of the most important offensive pieces for the best team in the American League. That's see, that I'm whole taking. first sentence until you said best team in the American League. I mean, Adolis Garcia kind of also came out of nowhere coming from the Cardinals. Yeah, correct. But one team is good. One team is very, very bad. And (laughs) I'm going to take the guy who, when Eloy Jimenez goes down, you know, people are slamming the panic button. And then when Luis Robert goes down, people are double slamming the panic button. But then you've got the Yerminator showing up and, you know, hitting 340. Like, I don't see a world. I totally do see a world where, you know, power is so valued right now. And it's the world that we currently live in. Um you know, I, I absolutely see a world where Adolis Garcia continues what he's doing and uh, El Bumbi wins Rookie of the Year. But I think your mean is 
such an important piece to this White Sox offense that has been depleted by maybe it's two um, biggest producing guys. So I agree when I, when I dove into those numbers, it's very close. And I don't think it's Yerman by a, by a wide margin, just because of what Adolis Garcia is doing, the amount of home runs, like the slugging. He's also hitting for doubles too. He hits everything so hard, but I will never not say Yerman until otherwise, because his approach is one of my favorites in baseball. And you know who it reminds me a lot of? I know we've talked about this before, but the Anthony Rizzo approach is you get up there and with less than two strikes, you know, you're trying to do whatever you can with the baseball. You're trying to get a good pitch to hit, but then you move into two strike territory. They cut out the leg kick. They stand right on home plate and they dare you to throw it. And it's like, you're not going to bust them in inside because they're ready for the inside fastball. And then they'll just poke outside fastballs away. You throw them any off speed. They're going to just poke it. They're not trying to hit home runs. It's exactly what I'm going to teach my kids how to hit. The two strike approach is now over in baseball for no reason. Guys will just be like, well, if I'm already two strikes, might as well strike out, keep trying to hit home runs. No, get on base, follow the Yerman Mercedes model. 344, it still works. Guys can still hit for a high average. It is still possible, Jack McMullen. It's just they've abandoned the two-strike approach. Nobody does it, except for Yerman and except for Anthony Rizzo. God, and there's I, probably more. DJ LeMahieu is amazing. I hate watching the average hitter now. I, know, I hate watching God. the average hitter. It sucks. The average hitter is 235 with 25% strikeout rate. So it's like, That yeah. sucks. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. That's so bad. Oh, my <laughs> God. All right. Uh, with that daily dose of pessimism, it's time to take us into the weekend. So uh, have a good weekend, man. You got eyes on uh, any particular series? Well, I will be seeing Dustin Demeter at Ooh, Cal Poly. College and baseball. College baseball. You know, we're not just major leagues. Um, what? Let me, let me take a good gander at what's going on today, at what's going on this weekend in baseball on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Very excited. You know, it's going to be – I'm in sunny California. It'll be very nice to, you know, take a load off. But then again, we're still doing our gambling picks every single day, and we're going live every single day. The Yankees are playing the Tigers starting on Friday. They're going to demolish them. But the Giants-Dodgers series is going to be very, very interesting because, I mean, let's see what you got, Giants. Two answers are Giants-Dodgers and Padres-Astros. I think those are the right ones. I really thought the Dodgers were going to go in. I was very surprised that Trevor Bauer kind of got lit up a little bit by the Astros. You would think that he would come in with his best stuff, and he was walking guys. He didn't look great. Je ne sais pas, mon ami. All right, man. You want to plug our socials? I do. You guys, go follow us on TikTok at Just Baseball Fans, on Instagram at Just Baseball Fans. Feel free to follow me on Twitter. Guys, I have like 71 followers on Twitter. That's a lot more than you started with. You started with zero. I did start with zero. I just started Twitter. If you guys can help me out, I'm not the best on the app. I really, a baseball Twitter is supposed to be just voluminous with knowledge. And I, I'm trying, I'm not that good at Twitter. So maybe I'm not the best to follow. but if you want to at Peter Apple 23, that's at Jack underscore McMullen 11, much better on Twitter, probably a better Twitter follower in general, but follow us on socials. We will be, I really want to do the mailbag every Friday. I think it's a really good option because it's involving everybody from TikTok. We shout out all their usernames and I hope you guys enjoy it. Go follow us at just baseball fans. And usually it's significant to the baseball news cycle too. So Keep your eyes peeled for uh, our Sunday episode. It'll be me and Aram talking about the Giovanni Gallegos drama. That'll Love be that. good. Pitch doctoring discussed on Sunday, but have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.